Wait, let's see. Lift, drag, thrust, and magic. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, that, that is how airplanes fly. I went to school to figure that out. Yeah, magic. This is the RC Roundtable, a casual discussion about all aspects of flying model airplanes. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the RC Roundtable. Joining me today is Terry Dunn. Hey there. Lee Ray. Howdy. And we have a special guest today, Mr. Chris Wolf. Hello, hello. <laughs> hey, Chris, thanks for joining us. Hey, no problem. <laughs> Glad to be here. A little fanfare there. <laughs> <laughs> well, people might know you better by your nickname, the RC Geek. The RC Geek, yes. Maybe. Uh, we're, we're very glad to have Did him. you give yourself that name? My wife did. <laughs> uh, yeah, that makes sense. I can't give the name my wife <laughs> gave me. <laughs> Not in, without violating FCC uh, regulations. Yeah, this is a family show. <laughs> I'll have to have an MA stamp on this one. <laughs> All right, well, let's jump right into it. Uh, we see, uh, is it still E-Flight, I guess, now? I can't remember if they're E-Flight or they're, uh, they changed names, right? Park Zone went away, so yeah, everything electric is E-Flight out of Horizon now. Yeah, so E-Flight has come out with some more UMX planes, their little micro-series. And uh, first up, I see there's a Waco, which looks, actually looks pretty nice. Little guy. Waco's a city. Yeah. Waco's an airplane. Waco. No, they're called Waco's. Waco. Waco. you got to put an H right in the middle. Waco. <laughs> <laughs> As long as I live in Texas, I still get it Wait, wrong. we have we have another person, Chris. How do you say it? Waco. There you go. All right. We poor poor Fitz is. <laughs> I, yeah, I can't say Zagi. I can't say Waco. Uh, I'm just useless. That's it. I'm out of here. Uh, it's got a 16 inch span. It's a little guy, nice by plane. I thought it looked really nice, actually. You guys take a look at it. Yeah, I'm surprised how small it is for being a brushless system. Yeah, it's really tiny. But I saw the video shows it flying really quite nicely. Yeah, I've flown a couple of the other biplanes with, I assume it's the same system, the um, the Pits, and what's the other one? The P3. And they both flew really well. Yeah, 180 brushless motor and 2S, which I thought, which is nice. That's probably why it's such has such good power. I wonder if that's going to be the new norm for UMX planes. I hope so, because I thought, uh, I think I flew one of theirs with a brush motor set up, and I wasn't all that impressed with it. Hey, you want it to be fun, right? Yeah, exactly. It's got to be fun. And the price point isn't that much different. What is this, 130 bucks? Yeah, 130 for bind and fly? comes bind and fly with the, uh, what's it called, the AS3X? There you go, Lee. Yeah. I'm okay with AS3X. I just want to have the little <laughs> switcher option to turn it off, that's all. <laughs> so, in case you were curiously, that's um, the same power system that's in your micro thunder and lightning. Ah. So it was pulled out of, I think, the pits. With the same proprietary connector on the battery. Yes, <laughs> which I bypassed. Yeah. I can. And I, I went ahead and bought the E Flight actually makes an adapter now, so you can plug that battery into. Um, I, I think this one had banana jacks, so you can just plug it directly into your charger. Oh, okay. Interesting. And they also have a Cessna 182 on part of the UMX line. 
which I thought was nice. This one's a little bit bigger. It's got a 25-inch wingspan. Right, and it looks like it's the same power system. Yeah, the 180. Uh, yeah, 180 brushes motor. Although, right. though they're listing a different now, KV I've... for this one, though, for some reason. Oh, is it? Yeah, the other one was 3,000. Okay. This was 2,500. I don't know if that's a typo or they really have different versions of that particular motor. Or maybe it's spinning a bigger prop, too. Yeah. Now, I've actually put hands on one of these. A friend of mine here bought one and brought it to the club meeting last week. And he bought it because he has a full-scale 182 in exactly the same color scheme. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so he was impressed by that. And it's a good-looking model. It looks like it's well-built. It's really nice. The, the neat thing that I noticed about it, and maybe you guys can tell me if I'm wrong, I think this is the first one that actually uses clear plastic for the windows instead of just having it painted on. Oh, that's a good observation. And I don't rem remember if it had cockpit details or not, but the, the clear windows seemed like a new thing to me. It's a nice feature. Yeah. Yeah. And wheel pants and all that stuff. But yeah, it's um, a nice looking airplane. Yeah, they seem to... Seem the guy's only gripe was that the Cessna sticker on the vertical stab was a little bit crooked. Other than that, everything looked pretty good. <laughs> well, you know, those 12-year-old Chinese kids don't always get it right when they're putting them together. <laughs> that was pretty much the comment I gave to him. Hard to get the decal on right when you get The 12-year-olds right. are senior management. You <laughs> <laughs> should be lucky it's right side up, much less uh, aligned. Now, I made an observation on both of these planes... Uh, neither of them come ready to fly. Hmm? And I bet that's because they've been having issues with the RTF transmitters. Oh, oh right. They're both bind and fly. I was reading the review. I figured that when I first saw them, because that was the one thing I was looking up to see if E-Flight was making RTF planes still, after all the problems we had oh. with the champ. Yeah. And then one of the reviews, you know, just personal comments, really, I don't think he had the plane, but he was wondering why this plane didn't come ready to fly. And... You know, coming from from me, who's had problems with it, I think they they're just going to hold off and have people buy transmitters. Yeah, I remember yeah, Lee, both Lee, you and I both had problems with the champs with the transmitters that came with them. Mm -hmm. Well, Chris, did you hear about that? Um, well, you I, that? I was going to say I don't know about them not making RTFs, but you know, I have one of their micro cubs. The blue and white one and it was we got it as an rtf because at the time i didn't have any spectrum radios <laughs> and the 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 elevator aileron stick you, you could get it to just get stuck in the corner i'm like well that doesn't do me any good <laughs> so, so i was like it's all right well, yeah nice feature so i ended up picking up a dx6 so we could fly the thing on a real radio so I wonder if the difference is, I, I wouldn't call either one of these a beginner airplane, so maybe they just assume if you're capable enough to fly, you've already got a radio. Mm -hmm. Now, now the 182 comes with a safe option, so I guess they're maybe leaning towards more beginner-ish with that particular one. Yeah, that could be, you're right. Hmm. Well, Chris, we, we've had, Fitz and I had flyaways with our <laughs> RTF kits. Oh. <laughs> and and it's a, it was a big problem uh, with the Champ S Plus, so a lot of people were switching off. And I'd actually talked to a couple of people at Horizon Hobby, and we switched to a DX7. It's my son's transmitter. And pretty much all the problems went away. So we yeah. knew they were 
having problems with it. So that's just an observation I'm making. I'd like to see in the next few months if any other tiny plane comes out with a that same RTF transmitter. I'm going to guess it's not. So have you been having good luck since switching to the, what was it, DX7? Yeah. Okay, no further issues. No huh? further issues. Yeah, uh, that, that mirrors with the, ish, the uh, results I had as well. Um, so, um, Horizon, uh, they sent me their 1.2 meter P47 to review. Oh. I was going to talk about that. I have that up on my screen right now. You lucky bastard. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you're really sorry, you'll send it to 9415. <laughs> um, yeah. I, That's how you know Lee likes you. He calls you a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I ha I pulled that out last night, and that's a nice looking airplane. They did a good it job does look with it. Yeah, we we uh, had a comment. What was it, about four episodes ago? We talked about it, four or five. Yeah, something like that. They all run together. Mm -hmm. So this is a Razorback. It is with stuff, rockets, and bombs, mm -hmm. and fuel tank. Oh, yeah. it looks pretty good. And retracks. That that P forty seven is it's it's pretty cool airplane and you guys were talking about that safe um technology so i'm going to explore that i don't even know what that's all about so i'm going to get i'm going to learn and because i guess some guys have been having issues with that uh, specifically on the p47 well i, I don't know I, I really don't know anything about it so um they asked me to put together some information for folks uh, to explain basically how it works and and what it's all about so so you've never flown an airplane with safe? I well that that I have not. I guess not that I've known of. So have you have you messed around with it at all? Uh, yeah, I think all three of us on this end have, and it's for me a love hate relationship. <laughs> I think for Lee it's mostly a hate relationship. <laughs> Fitz, I don't know. Speak for yourself. Um, it depends on the plane. Uh, some of it, it's okay. Um, I, I think for a rank beginner, it's probably actually not bad, but I think it can give you bad habits eventually if you're just starting out new with it. Because yeah, does it roll and pitch limit the airplane? And Yes, it does. Yeah, okay. So it's I have played with that then because uh, that little micro cub has the three modes. It's got a beginner, intermediate, and then an advanced mode. So I'm assuming it's probably a similar thing, but I agree with you because if you put it in the beginner mode and it, it bank or it roll limits the airplane and pitch limits it. So you crank the stick all the way over to the right and it gives you this nice, lazy, coordinated turn. And if a, a new pilot gets used to that when they switch it, they're going to have to kind of retrain their thumbs a little bit. So, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, one of the biggest hurdles is learning the subtlety of inputs, mm -hmm. and yeah, yeah, it just kind of yeah, throws you that curve. Yeah, sticks in the corner, and then it only limits you. When you get another plane that doesn't do that, and you're yeah. wondering why it rolls on its back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For me, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't like using any of that stuff just because I want a fully aerobatic airplane. Mm. But, you know, we'll cover it all in the in the review. I'll probably do just do a, a whole separate write-up and video just about that because I think it's something that people should know about and um, and if they have the right information then they can use it in the right way oh yeah yeah and I will look forward to seeing how you, what you think of it 
Yeah. And is that going to be a video review for your channel? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll do a, okay. a video review, and then all of the videos that I do, I have a, an article that I write up with it. So I basically do okay. everything so, twice. <laughs> well, yeah, I know how that goes. So go ahead and uh, plug your your channel. That's on YouTube. Oh yeah, so the RC Geek. it's the RC Geek YouTube dot com slash the RC Geek, and I do uh, my my focus is all all RC. I love scale, so everything usually centers around scale. But I play with cars and and other airplanes and stuff. But uh, it's all about trying to provide quality information on building, setting up airplanes, doing reviews, um, all, all of the whole gamut there. Because for me, I I I really have a heart for building and, and helping and show people how to do it, you know, because it's such an amazing aspect of our hobby that a whole new generation of modelers has never experienced before. And so if we can provide the tools, put that out there, you know, for people to find, if it's easily searchable, then that's why I usually do things twice because I'll do the written article on my website, vrcgeek.com, plus the video on YouTube, um, you know, then hopefully maybe we can inspire some newcomers to try and do a traditional build if they've got the tools available to them. Uh, so that's kind of what I'm trying to do, <clears throat> obviously, and I'm, I'm a work full time, so it takes, uh, it, things take longer than I would like them to, but uh, kind of make it work. And I, I have uploads every Tuesday, um, and so I also feature because I I consider it more. It's not just what I'm doing, but I consider it like a community too, because I feature mm -hmm. what other people are doing uh, on the um, at events and all that stuff. So I have a, a bunch of flying videos that all um, that I put out there and, and I know us as modelers we we love having pictures and videos taken of our our airplanes <laughs> so. all right Chris can I ask you what your full-time job is yeah I'm an aerospace engineer and this was a question I had for future questions but since we're on a roll about your website and I'm looking at it you have a really good talent uh, an eye for media you've got great uh you know captures of video of these planes flying and you also have some good stills but then your your actual video reviews you've i mean they're really nice you've got multiple cameras you do time lapse um you speak very well and i think that's the key you have a good quality microphone so i was i mean i guess i was thinking you were in some kind of media or do you have you done it for other uh jobs or is it part of your your main job doing video and media no <laughs> wow it's just a hobby i guess it's a gift. Oh, it's really good. Thank I you. I mean, you really have a good talent for that. I watched your your Tiger Cat uh, video, and that was fun. Thank you. <laughs> Did you end up getting a Tiger Cat? I thought I heard that in the last episode. I have a Tiger Cat. Yes. <laughs> it came in the mail two days ago. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I could take the rest of this show and talk to you about the Tiger Cat, but I know that uh, Darian Fitz would you know, just cut me off the show. <laughs> we'll do one Have offline. you decided which scheme you're going to use yet? Oh, yeah, I'm doing Here Kitty Kitty. Okay, the, does that mean you're going to repaint it? I might. I'm actually thinking about making it darker. Interesting. Careful. Okay. If, if it gets hot, that thing's going to 
popcorn up nice and nice and easy. I'll make a custom tiger cat shade for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's own little hanger, an inflatable hanger I can put the tiger cat in when I go to the air shows. It's called an easy up. You just put it up when you go to the field. <laughs> exactly. Hey, Chris, do you mind if we ask where you went to school? Yeah, I went to Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. <laughs> we thought that's what it was. Yeah. An, Which campus? I went to Prescott, Arizona. Awesome oh. school. Oh. Well, I feel sorry for you. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, just joking. Actually, both um, uh, Terry and I went to Embry-Riddle. What? For reals. Yeah? Daytona Beach. Like extended campus or one of the main campuses? No, one of the main ones, Daytona Beach. Oh, awesome. So, I didn't even know they did engineering at Prescott. I thought it was all flying. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's mostly engineering. <laughs> I mean, oh, they, really? the, the biggest okay. program there, obviously, is the aeronautical science, which is the flying. But, uh, um, yeah, it's everything else that they have there is primarily engineering. It's like computer science, computer engineering, aerospace engineering. Um, and then I think they've got some management courses i'm not entirely sure but <clears throat> yeah I, I understand uh the campus went through a major renovation fairly recently that's entirely possible <laughs> yeah <laughs> i uh i hate to say i haven't been back to the campus since i graduated i've been wanting to go back but i know that it's changed a ton since i graduated i graduated in 2000 and i think there were like 25 aerospace engineers in in my graduating class wow and uh now i think that's more than doubled in the last you know five years or so the campus has grown a bunch this is all just based on what i've heard from other people that have graduated later than i did yeah i think the same is true in daytona oh yeah yeah, yeah i went even at ours i went back to the campus uh, a couple years ago, and I, I graduated around the same time you did, uh, Chris, and it was almost unrecognizable. They built yeah. so much stuff. You know, a tornado took down one of the main buildings. Oh uh, yeah, right? it did. They, yeah, they had some forced remodeling and then some growth. And a lot wow. of growth. Yeah. So, what did you guys study? I was engineering physics. Oh, wow. <laughs> what about you? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's a, yeah, so he is a <laughs> rocket scientist. <laughs> and uh, I studied uh, aircraft electronics engineering, so avionics. Okay. Cool. Double E with a special. I didn't know they offered that. Yeah? Well, it was really small. No, I had no idea. You talked about... I thought it was just aerospace or physics. Really? You know, they had yeah, a big uh, electrical engineering program. Well, big, relative, not really big. I think my graduating class had like a, just a handful of people, less than Chris's. But um, it was a good program. They've expanded it now. Okay. They uh, offer more options for it, so... Yeah, I can't say enough good things about the school. It's it's such a great, it was such a good education. And uh, for me, Prescott was awesome. I loved it there. Um, I, I, I don't know about Terry, but I totally agree. I had a great time there. I met some really good people. The instructors were really good. Uh, mm -hmm. It was, I had a great time there. I wouldn't, I couldn't conceive of going anywhere else. Yeah, I agree. If you're into airplanes, that's a place to go. Yeah, it was for sure. Airplane Just... geek heaven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The one and problem I, I had, though. And I don't know if you guys have <laughs> seen any of my stuff about the hashtag danger zone, free zone. I have this running joke on my channel about, you know, not using danger zone oh, in yeah. any of my videos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, um, you know, 
all of the pilots that I went to school with thought they were Maverick from Top Gun. And so, of course. you know, everything it was just way overplayed. But, you know, my dad worked on that movie. Oh, did he? Oh, really? Yeah. Well, let's, uh, well, we'll talk about that in a minute, actually. Um, yeah. So, you remember the part of Sesame Street that said, uh, <laughs> one thing is not like the other? One of these groups <laughs> is not like the other. <laughs> so, three of these guys are, are aviation experts, and then here's the guy who went to U of H for a theater degree, worked for 13 years as a computer IT consultant, and then was a photographer for 17 years, and now I talk to you guys. Well, let's find some common ground. I like ice cream. Do you like ice cream? <laughs> let's I'm, hold hands. I'm, those, I'm that stepchild in the corner. That just makes you special. Kumbaya. I like turtles. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with salt and mustard. Aww. We'll try to get you an honorary degree from Riddle. Yeah. There we go. Teach us I'll have my kids. I can have my kids write one up for you with some crayon, and we'll send it to you. <laughs> I'm so, so wanting that. We're gonna you really that need to do that so we can put it on a Facebook page. Lee is now an honorary member. I remember yeah. of that. that was Which degree do you want? <laughs> Uh, I'll let them decide. I hope it's a good one. Does it pay well? (laughs) (laughs) A lot of variables there. (laughs) Okay, um, last thing up is uh, Tower Hobbies is coming out with a a set of new P-51 Mustangs, 40-inchers, with optional retracts. They have a couple different paint schemes for these things. And uh, they're running 3S, 1800, the pose, roughly. Uh, This was kind of a surprise. Uh, they look really nice. I hear afterburner. Yes, the, I live near an airport, and it's a, okay. it's a not just an airport. It's you know, well, Ellington it's Field. Ellington Field, Ellington which has NASA planes yeah. that fly around. It has a couple of uh, air museums that fly old jets and things, and uh, also there's a uh, what is this? A Navy Reserve? No, Air Force Squadron. I can't remember what it was. Oh, I thought they yeah moved. they moved. That's right. They're all drones now. <laughs> but there's all kind of goofy stuff that flies in and out, so you're going to hear jet sounds every once in a while. You have drones operating out of there? Uh, I think the pilots are there, but the drones don't actually fly out of there. It's just a control center. Oh, okay. Last time I yeah, they it. have a similar thing in Vegas, too. Yeah, the, the drones are actually somewhere in parts unknown. So you're talking about the P-51. I can't talk... I can't talk about that P-51. They got the landing gear all screwed up. Hmm? The new one? <laughs> the, the picture that I saw, yeah, they got the, it's got these weird looking gear doors and, you know. <laughs> I'm, They're I'm $30. So... What do you expect? <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, they've got the, um, the, the landing gear wheels are turned inwards and. It's like, you know, it doesn't take that much more effort to make it look right. Because it's going to look great in the air either way. But when does somebody actually see the airplane up close? On the ground. And so it's going to have these weird-looking landing gear. That's one of my pet peeves. Gotcha. So it had inner gear doors. and Yeah, okay. Well, no, so it's got, like, standard struts. So, you know, on the full-scale P-51, the strut comes down, and then it's got this offset um, channel, I guess. Part yeah, of the, the wheel goes around it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the wheel faces outward, right? Yeah. Um, so in this, on so the, the strut is inboard of the wheel. Uh, correct. In this case, I think they've just got a straight strut uh, with 
some weird looking gear door that doesn't look scale at all and then the gear is that or the, the wheel is facing inward that's what i that was the first thing i noticed on the picture when i checked the link you mean where the the wheel attaches to the landing strut it should be outward facing it, not inward it should facing. be facing outward yeah instead of just the standard looking landing gear yeah, I wonder how hard it would be to swap. I bet you that. can rotate it around. I'm sure there's a lot of geometry yeah. going on in the wheel well that makes that difficult. Ah, you could probably figure it out. I mean, oh, yeah. it is, it is what it is. I'm just joking around, but you know, landing gear that's that's not that hard to get right. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're talking well, about, I'm just happy they retract. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that's true. Unless you're talking about a B58, then that's a little bit different story did you say b58 landing gear oh yeah you know have you seen sparky's i've seen his b58 the pictures yeah so he had the the whole articulating thing and then the battery tray that slides to keep the cg <sighs> that guy yeah wait he had articulating landing gear yeah well yeah it rotates as it comes up like the full scale so that it Oh, the, the mains. The dolly stays horizontal. Yeah, the dollies are on a pivot. And so the wheels. Well, you pivot. know that the the nose gear folds in half. Yeah, telescopes, doesn't it, or something? Oh, right. No, it it folds in half. So it folds in. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. So the strut breaks in half. Mm. Yeah. And Bearcat's kind of like that too. It does that to clear that that tank that it's got on the bottom. Yeah, the tank bomb. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, he didn't. Do okay, that. I'll have to tell Keith to rework that because it's not accurate. <laughs> yeah, can you can you tell him to get on there? <laughs> <laughs> now he does he does incredible work. I've seen what he's done, he's, and he seems like a really cool guy. I've never met him, um, but I'm sure that we would have a lot to talk about if I ever did get a chance to oh, meet him. Yeah, he's a hooting person. If you talk to him, he's yeah, he's a real fun guy to talk to. All right, Mustang, focus, fellas. Mustang. <laughs> <laughs> Look, something shiny. Well, landing gear aside, I, I think the nice thing about the, the P-51 is that you can get in different liveries, colors. They have the Miss America, the silver, and I don't know if they're going to come out with any other colors, but uh, at least you got a couple of different choices yeah. of colors. Yeah, and I wonder which one people would prefer. I assume that they would like the Air Corps version best, but some people like the racers. Yeah, easy to see. But here's the neat thing to me. It's got the motor that Gary Wright was telling us about. Oh, yeah. That magic Tara Hobbies motor that is indestructible. <laughs> and they're talking about using a 3S with what size prop? I don't know, some prop. Um, but I wonder if you can prop it up and do 4S on there. Yeah. Imagine you could. We could shove it in the nose somewhere. I don't know about the speed controller. It might be a little weak, but uh, the, the motor can certainly handle it. Yeah, so you might have to do an ESC upgrade, but uh, it comes with a 30 amp, so there's probably some headroom there. Yeah, that's true. I think I'm so only I running a 40 amp, system. actually, in the uh, Crazy Wing. Oh, So okay. it may be fine with a, like an 8.8 prop, might be just okay. Uh, I never put a current meter on it, but... Okay, so it fits... Uh, not fits, gosh. <laughs> Lee, you have the Zero... What are you running in your fly zone zero? 4S2200. With a three-blade prop, like a three-blade 10.7 or something, mm -hmm. right? Okay, so I think there's a lot of headroom to, to push this system up. 
As long as there's physical room for a battery in there. Yeah. I'm anxious to see. Yeah, it. I'd like to see how it flies. We'll see. Uh, hopefully when they come out, we'll get a chance to fly one or something. We can, or see one fly. That'd be nice. Uh, oh, I just remembered. Chris, you're not yes. telling us something. You're not telling us something. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I understand you got to fly in a P-51. I definitely did. It was... uh, you got to tell us about that. Yeah. That like? It's only 40-inch wingspan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just, you know, sat on top. It, 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 was, it didn't go very far, but... So he strapped twenty to himself. <laughs> so I always say I, the internet's back up. I'm looking at the P51. It, the shape of it, they did a good job with it. It does look good, in spite of the landing gear. <laughs> the canopy is a little off. Yeah, Chris, it look you have like a 3D it's... printer. You have a 3D printer. Let's modify the gear and yeah. then sell it on on your site. <laughs> there we fix go. The Tower Hobbies we'll P51 fix <laughs> with my proper gear. <laughs> yeah, no, it does look pretty cool. I will say, it does look good. You said you have the zero. Is it in the same series? Oh, well, it's Fly Zone. It's the Fly Zone Zero. Oh, okay, it's about the same size. Uh, fly Zone's a little bit bigger, I think. Mm. Yeah, this one's yeah, it's forty something. Okay, so Lady Alice P fifty one, right? That's what I got to take a ride in, and so Doctor Ken Wagner, he's the owner and a friend of mine, a friend of my dad's, and so I, uh, my dad is helping to restore a Waco. No, is it Waco? No, a Stearman. Totally different airplanes. Um, <laughs> it's a Stearman out in Ken's hangar where he keeps the, the P-51. Um, and so I was out at the hangar one day and Ken came in and he's like, hey, uh, I was going to fly out to Palm Springs. Uh, you want to go? And I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, um, he got me all strapped in there and because he's got a jump seat in the back and it was one of the coolest things I've ever done and had the chance of doing. Are there controls in the back seat? There are not controls in the back seat, but that was quite all right. That airplane is loud. Oh my goodness. It's like, uh, really? yeah, inside the cockpit, it's, it's, it's very noisy, but, uh, it's, it was a cloudy day, so it was actually um, kind of stormy in places, and so we took off. We weren't sure if we were going to be able to make it because there was some forecasted rain in areas. And so what was cool about it, though, is we had all these clouds, so we're take off and we're heading to, to Palm Springs, and it was we were just kind of flying around the clouds while we're doing it, and it, it was just incredible. And so we didn't actually make it to Palm Springs, uh, but because it, it did start raining on us, and it, it's pretty hard on on the airplane based on the speed that it travels and whatnot. So we uh, turned around and came back. But, uh, you know, <laughs> it's sad to say I didn't cry at the, the birth of my ch two wonderful children, but I was on the verge of tears sitting in the back of that P-51. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh yeah just it's such an amazing experience how long ago was that uh that was that was actually the first video i posted on my youtube channel so that was about two years ago a little less okay, than two so years that's still recent yeah i'm jealous 
All right, well, on that note, I think we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Oh, that was a fast break. <laughs> I don't know about you. I just drank a beer. <laughs> Fitz likes to put in crazy music. Yeah. yeah. Well, the one I heard, or I think with Keith Sparks, you were electrocuting some guy in the break. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know where Fitz gets those sound bites from. <laughs> well, Keith Sparks goes by Sparky. That's his nickname. Everybody calls oh, him. makes sense. So. We were electrocuting him. God. Please. So I know what you're going to do. You're going to end up putting Danger Zone in the break. <laughs> Chris, you read my mind. I was already pulling up YouTube clicks to Danger Zone from Archer. Did you ever watch Archer? Archer, the cartoon no. Archer? Uh-uh. Oh, hello. <laughs> i got to let you hear this. <laughs> You've never seen the cartoon Archer? I, it's, I'm it's familiar a, with it, but I've not watched it. It's for it's, adults, but <laughs> he loves good. to say Danger Zone. <laughs> It's silly. Oh my I'll god, to, hold on. Let me see if I can get y'all to hear this. Okay. I have to admit, I, I I never thought much of it either, but actually after I started watching it, it is really good. <laughs> it's it's back crap crazy, but it's actually a good series. Okay. Here. here we go. Lana. 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 Lana! What? Danger zone. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, sorry. <laughs> oh, that's that's funny. Okay, I think we all need to pop a Ritalin before we start again. <laughs> Some Prozac. The energy is high in this episode. We can stay on topic here. <laughs> and as I mentioned before, joining us is award-winning modeler Chris Wolf, aka the Hobby Geek, the RC Geek. Wrong. Is it? Oh, fail. Crap. <laughs> ah, fail. It's not his first. RC Geek. All right. Let me redo. <laughs> you, you, you mixed our channels. <laughs> You're the hobby. That's right. I'm hobby view. He's trying to take you over. It's a hostile takeover. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Let me try this again. So, Chris, um, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I understand um, you're a long-time modeler. How long have you been modeling RC airplanes? Oh, boy. I I started flying when I was 11. My dad tried to get me into it much sooner, but 11 was when it really just happened and when I fell in love with it. Uh, but leading up to that point, built plastic models. Uh, I don't, you know, my <laughs> my parents tell me that I built my first plastic model at the age of three. I don't remember that, of course, but the interesting thing is I don't, I don't remember a point at which I started building models. I just remember always doing it. So it's kind of interesting. I, I, I know exactly how that is. I, I started with plastic models and I don't remember when I started because I've just been doing it for so long. Yeah. I still do it. it it's, you know, I'm big into RC. I still have boxes of plastic models. I just finished one the other week for, for a local club build, uh, and so that's my first love, and will always be doing that. 
Yep. Collector never stops collecting, right? <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Because <laughs> I've got, yeah, I've got piles of plastic kits too. Because the thing about it is, um, I use them. I don't. I rarely build them, actually. Although I've started building a lot more plastic models now that I've been building them with my kids, and we do videos, and we have a lot mm. of fun doing that. Uh, but I, I buy most of them for um, as a resource for a scale project. You know, that's the first oh, yeah, thing yeah. I'll do. I'll find a book or a couple books and I'll find a plastic model. And that's where I start my research for a scale project. I've, I've actually bought plastic models just for the decal set. So I could <laughs> scale them up. Yeah, <laughs> that plates. sounds sounds about right. <laughs> um, so going back to your question. So then, uh, um, so started flying at 11 and then I got involved. My dad was you know, involved with this air show team, an RC air show team called California air show team. So I got involved with that, started flying with the team. Uh, and then at 15, my parents gave me a Royal zero kit for Christmas. Mm. And, uh, wow. that took, I, I got that together about three years. If you guys have ever built a Royal kit, you know why it was three years. Uh, because It's a box of wood. Yeah, it's like Shoot a forest, it. man. <laughs> Carved to shape. Yeah, you shake it up and a zero comes out. <laughs> but um, And then I competed with that in my first scale Masters uh, qualifier at 18. And uh, I didn't do all that well in the competition. I don't think I actually got a complete slide in. Uh, but I did it, and that's kind of what started uh, started me on the, that trajectory. I just kind of fell in love with it. Um, you mentioned your father. Now, your father uh, owns or started Jet Hanger Hobbies, mm -hmm. which is a very well-known yep. uh, jet ducted fan and now turbine company. What was it like growing up under the umbrella of being the son of the creator of uh, such a business? Uh, you know, I spent many a summer... Uh, building models in the back of my dad's hobby shop, and it was great. You know, at the time, as a kid, I was just like, oh, I got to go back to the shop, really? But I look back on it now, and it was just such great memories, so much fun. And I got exposed to so many different, I mean, the the the, the all aspects of the hobby. And, and I got to watch what my dad was doing, because, you know, in the late 70s, early 80s, going forward, you know, there were really only three guys that were um, doing RC jets, the ducted fans. There was my dad, Larry Wolf, there's Bob Violet, and there's Tom Cook. I mean, they were the three pioneers uh, mm. that really made RC jets, you know, commonplace at the field. Uh, they were such an exotic aspect of the the hobby at that time and they really they still are with the turbines and stuff but um so but seeing what they were doing in the back of the shop just watching them i, I picked up so much uh just observing you know now since you were since they were involved in such early stages of uh, ducted fans did they have any relationship with the engine manufacturers like kmb or os and for, for development of specific engines for ducted fans. I don't know if my dad did specifically, um, but I know he was, he was, his engine of choice was always K&B. Um, 
So it started out with the the Turbax one with the KMB 6.5, uh, and then that um, graduated to the 7.5, and then at some point they came out with a KMB 48, which was a really nice, powerful engine. Um, and yeah, I, I just remember him always kind of gravitating towards the KMB engines. I mean, he flew OS and stuff too, but. KMB was the choice until you know KMB was no longer. Now those were all high RPM, like tune pipe type engines. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. Oh, and they what kind of nitro? Um, I, I'm not sure. Gosh, it's been so long. Maybe twenty percent. Oh, okay. That doesn't yeah. seem crazy. No, no. <laughs> you know, we just used to do crazy things. We tried. There, some guy was touting, oh, cryogenically frozen, frozen engines right they take it all apart freeze the parts down to who knows how cold uh and then supposedly it was to get you a little bit more rpm and so my dad did that and he saw a few hundred more rpm out of the engine as a result of it just to do play all of these different games with the, the stuff but you know the thing is my dad man he could he could tune an engine and that thing would be the most reliable engine I mean, it was remarkable. Other guys would struggle, but man, my dad could just make a ducted fan engine sing and hardly ever quit. It was pretty, pretty amazing. That's talent. That's, yeah. that's what we're really lacking. <laughs> yeah. People who know how to make an engine run real well. Yeah. You know, and I, he showed me what he did, and but I haven't played with Glow in, in, probably over a decade. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the same boat there. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, oh, you know, we were talking about Embry-Riddle earlier. You know, we had an RC field on campus. I don't know if you guys did it at Daytona Beach. No, our campus was at the airport, so. Okay. No. Yeah. So ours wasn't on the airport. Uh, so we had an RC field. We could walk down on the weekends from our dorms, go fly. It was, it was pretty awesome. Nice. So speaking of flying, uh, tell us about what which some, some of the models you really like. Some of your favorite models you like to fly. Give us an insight into your your psyche, model psyche. <laughs> My psyche. I don't know if you want to well, go there. I think you meant workshop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm a big jet head. I love flying jets, uh, and I got really into the electric jets. In the early 2000s, I mean, this was before lipos were even online. I helped design, I helped design a twin electric F14 kit that my folks uh, sell. They still sell, and uh, that was right on the cusp of when the lipo batteries were coming online. The first two flights were with uh, round cells, uh, and then I had a, I burned up one of the motors, so I ended up crashing the thing on the second flight and then put it all together and my wife bought me some lipos which was like six hundred dollars worth of batteries <laughs> at the time yeah. it was so expensive we're really spoiled now on the battery costs that's for sure but uh and then i flew that f-14 for a number of years had a good time with it and then I got, you know, I've flown turbines. I, I had a turbine powered uh, A7. I had a 
a Ren MW44 Gold turbine. It was 10 pounds of thrust. Uh, and I, uh, actually, I still have that airplane. I've since converted it over to a 90 millimeter electric ducted fan. And I uh, still fly it. But, um, so then I got it. I did the turbines. I can, you know, all the while, you know, doing competition, I competed with that twin electric F14. Uh, qualified for the scale masters with it, the championships. I think it was the first time that electric ducted fan had even qualified or even competed. Uh, and then that was back in 2003 or four. And then had the a seven. Um, now, and then most recently I've got the Mirage, the cool thing about, so the Mirage, I won the Scale Masters Championships with this past year, um, which was, we should, we should probably talk about that. That, that competition was so amazing. It was so much fun. Uh, but that kit, that Mirage kit that I competed with was my dad's very first kit that he brought to market, that design. And so I was able to go to the Scale Masters with that design that really just launched his whole you know, career in the hobby business. And it was really awesome to be able to actually come out on top in the competition with that design. It was really just to be able to represent everything that he's done, all the accomplishments that he's, he's made, you know, and he was there with me. He was my caller and, and it was, uh, such an amazing experience, something I will, I will never forget truthfully. And then I'll cherish for a long time. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember seeing that kit back in the 80s at a hobby store. I was drooling over it at the time. It was really nice. Flies amazing. It's such a good flying airplane. I think Fitz and Chris have something in common, um, both creating kefirs out of mirages. Yes. Yeah, I was going to mention, I think we actually had crossed paths on the RC Groups forums because I took, I think I was the first one to take the new Freewing Mirage. Uh-huh. And... And I hacked it into a quick and dirty uh, kefir. Oh, cool! Yeah, I, maybe I I'm, I know I've seen the pictures. You kept the stock tail on it, right? The the dorsal. Um, I did chop it a little bit. I did I did some slight mods to it. Uh, I changed the dorsal slightly to make it. I added some le- the leading edge extension. I I squared off the top. I cut the tail off a bit. Cool. Um, yeah, I, I think yeah. I remember. Actually, you could probably find it, but I remember there have been there have only been what like two or three guys that have done that. Yeah. Um. So, and you said you were the first, so I know that I've I seen it. I think I was the first it was one. Pretty, it was pretty good. Um, there good. was an, another guy who did one later, and he did a little more effort. He put the the wing tip ex, uh, leading extensions, and he made the nose a little bit more correct. I got lazy and didn't want to do the nose. But, uh. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, so the 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 big conversion was Corsair Nut, my buddy. He's a friend of mine. Yeah, he, he did a lot of work on that. He did, yeah. he did a fantastic job on that. Yeah. Mine was sort of just a. You know, I wonder if I can do this real easy, quick and easy, and uh, change the paint scheme on it. Well, I had the big orange triangles on mine. Yeah, they're actually supposed to be yellow, or yellow. I think I use orange yellow or something. I don't know. <laughs> Insignia yellow. Yeah. I wasn't trying to win any competition, but it was like, what do I have on the shelf that's close? Okay, here we go. <laughs> I know how that goes. <laughs> um, yeah, so on my conversion, I we've done uh, 
I hooked up with a buddy of mine. He he's a, a, an amazing CAD guy. So we came up with a whole set of 3D printed parts for the conversion. So that includes the nose, uh, the, the, the aft engine shroud, the exhaust shroud and turkey feathers and, uh, the, the ventral tank on the bottom. We printed up some, uh, external fuel tanks too. It, it's pretty, came out pretty awesome. Yeah. Speaking of 3D printing, uh, I've, I've myself have recently, relatively recently gotten into a world of 3D printing and, it went from something like, you know, why did I buy this thing? What am I going to use it for? To how do I live without it? <laughs> <laughs> and you find once you have a three D printer, you find reasons to use it. You're like, oh man, I need a, a GoPro mount. Oh, you know what? I'll just print one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I need a GoPro. I'll just print one. No. Yeah. <laughs> so, are you finding that whatever you dream up, somebody's already put on Thingverse? For the most part, like. I needed a skeleton mount for my GoPro, and instead of spending, you know, 30 bucks or whatever, I was like, you know, let me check Thingiverse, and yeah, somebody had already drawn one up, put it on there, so I printed it up and had one in like three hours. Yeah, I, I found it, at, at first you need a sort of change in, or shift in thinking in that, instead of running out to the store to get something, you think, hey, wait a minute, mm -hmm. A, is it on Thingiverse, or B, can I whip one up real quick and print it out myself? Yeah. Uh, and I found it really useful for hobby work, for all kinds of odd things and more pedantic things. Uh, and I see you offer, like you mentioned the, uh, the kefir, you have a, a exhaust, um, uh, what do you call those things? Exhaust ring, I guess you call it. Um, yeah, the turkey tail. feathers. Yeah, the turkey feathers. Um, and landing gear struts for, I think, the, the new F7. Uh, yeah, I, so. <laughs> We were talking about the Tiger Cat earlier. You know, the one thing that really, I mean, that's such a, they did such a great job on that flight line Tiger Cat. But it's got these tiny little struts, you know, they, they, it's like, come on, guy, take it to the gym, beef up those legs a little bit. So I ended up 3D printing, designing and 3D printing uh, some strut covers, which just make it look a little bit more scale. And it, it made it look so much better. It didn't look all, you know, chicken legged. So the thinness is just a aesthetic issue. They're they're strong enough. They just don't look. Oh good. yeah, plenty strong. Okay. It was just the looks, because it's this beautiful scale model. It's really scaled. It got the shape really nice, you know. But we go back to landing gear. Landing gear is like one of my one of my pet peeves. The landing gear's got to look right. <laughs> See, he really does notice that first. <laughs> look at the legs on the that baby. most beautiful plane, and he goes, oh, oh landing gear is crap, man. <laughs> Total bummer. But great job on the plane, bro. Nice, nice yeah, job. exactly. <laughs> yeah, wear your best shoes when you meet him in person. Yeah. He must yeah. have had a bad experience with gear or something. I don't know what it is. But <laughs> you really are a leg guy, aren't you? <laughs> Oh, then there, there it goes. He took it there. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I have um, I had a, a smaller three D printer, an old printer bot, which was great, but uh, it was just it was got to a point it was just too small, and so I ended up getting a bigger one, and so I ended up printing up one of those full airplanes that are offered from the guys out in uh, I think the Czech Republic, uh, a Spitfire, and that's been an interesting project to, to print a whole plane. And get that ready to fly. It's, uh, yeah, I heard you talking about that. That sounds like that sounds like a lot of fun. Lots of printing, though. 
it's a lot of printing and it took quite a while but it's a lot of fun i've been i was working on it last night as a matter of fact and i really look forward to flying it just to see how the thing performs and it's just a whole new world of of the building and, and hobby manufacturing it's, it's gonna be fascinating to see where it goes and uh, do you have any thoughts and what do you think the future holds for this kind of technology well the, you know the 3d printing opens up just the so many opportunities right so back whereas before the question was hey can i craft this can i figure out a way to to make this from you know the materials that i have here now the question is well can i draw it in cad uh, yeah. because if you can draw it it can be printed and so i've been leveraging 3d printing a lot for scale details um so like the the whole turkey feather exhaust section on my my competition mirage that was all 3d printed and it in that case we couldn't use the fdm printer the robo i had to outsource um to get an sla print because you need the that the sla print will get you super fine details really high resolution prints and, and it just looks remarkable when i took the airplane to the 2013 scale masters championships uh, the static judge the craftsmanship judge said it was the the best looking t turkey feathers that he had ever seen on a model he commented that on the score sheets and well uh, oh. um so for me that that's how i like to use it and then the uh and then with the fdm printer you know making parts for conversions and and stuff like that it's it's a blast i i enjoy it a lot so you, the thing with 3d printing it, that's like a hobby in itself right i mean you can get into the depths of 3d printing uh and so it's yeah there's a whole there's a whole community surrounded just just that but in terms of the future i just see it becoming more and more prevalent I mean, I, I see being able to use it to craft uh, masters for molds. You know, we can section, uh, print out sections and mm. put together a plug for a mold if we wanted. And the, like using PLA, that's a really, that's a really hard material. And so using it for tooling seems like it would be no problem at all. Yeah, we had a discussion with, speaking of Sparky, with a, uh... Uh, Keith Sparks, and he does a lot of vacuum forming, and he's had great success vacuum forming over PLA created 3D uh, prints. Yeah, or, uh, and so that's definitely mold making is one area that I think we'll see some great uh, use in the future. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to see where it goes. Now we mentioned before that uh, you run the the RC Geek website and YouTube channel. And uh, we took some time to took a look at some of the videos. And you have some really great videos on how-tos. You had a, a really neat video on the Freewing F-14 talking about how to change the, set, the control setup to make it perform better. And uh, you were talking about making antennas and pitot tubes and that kind of thing. And, and mm -hmm. uh, what caused you to start doing this kind of stuff for, you know, as, as a public figure or YouTuber, so to speak? Um, you know... When I look back and I think about the hobby and, and how it's impacted me, because, you know, model aviation is such a big part of my life and it's been such a big part. Um, 
and it's really kind of launched me on my trajectory to being an aerospace engineer and, and all that. So I just love the hobby. And, and so I, I wanted to give back in some way, you know, and so it was kind of the only way I knew how. And when I when we look at, at where we are now in the state of the hobby and and, you know, we're not the, the hobby. Um, we have this whole generation of, of modelers coming in that have never experienced building in any form. And so when we talk about the decline in builders, um, and I ask people, well, hey, have you thought about building something? Where I was like, oh, well, I don't know how. Uh, and then hmm. the other one I hear is, well, I don't have time. But if we know how and if we have the tools, then the time becomes less of an issue uh, because things can get done quicker and because you know in your mind what you need to do. So. I, my hope is through it all is to inspire, you know, newcomers as well as as experienced modelers to, to try something different, try something that they haven't done in the, in the hobby before. If they've never built something, you know, maybe try to build something because uh, and then I do, you know, I've been dealing with a number of foam airplanes and I uh, I see foam. It's such a huge market for one. Uh, there's so many foam airplanes coming out and so many people flying them. And so if we can start out with a foam airplane cause, and, and maybe do a whole refinish like we did that. That was one of the series that I did, refinishing a foam warbird. Um, if we start there, because all of those techniques that we use there translate into also a traditional build, you know, fiberglass, and balsa wood and all that. And so if we... Provide the tools there, and then with this kit bashing series that I'm working on with the kefir. Um, in th that case, we're, we're incorporating more traditional uh, build methods, uh, and so I see that as kind of a stepping stone. So if we can show how to do that there, and then we'll we'll get you know into the depths of the, the more heavy building later on. So. It's funny you mentioned that, Chris, because I, I was uh, reading a post from a friend who builds a lot of scale models for a large event down here, and he went off on a little rant, and I, I certainly appreciate it, but he was just talking about why is everything made out of ice chests these days, <laughs> <laughs> and and it's great because so many of his friends and you know my friends chimed in, you know we agree, I mean. Sadly, he was using the cover of Model Aviation with the the uh, Tiger Cat on the cover, and I was like, "Man, don't do that! I just bought one of those." But he's such a good builder. I think he he he's kind of like you. He says, "You know, we don't want to give everybody something instant and not realize how it's made or how it works." And you know, you learn yeah. a lot by putting it together. So, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, when he started saying ice chest, I just laughed. You, you know, I think he had a he had a good point where you could almost use. You can start people off that say, I, I don't want to, I don't know how to build. I don't know how to do this with starting with small modifications to models. It's sort of a gateway drug to building mm -hmm. instead of going full bore with a kit. Just say, well, how about you just try repinning your foamy or how about you refinish your foamy or how about yeah. you make super mods of your foamy? The next thing you know, you're able to build a kit without really thinking mm -hmm. about it much. You can look at the runaway success of flight test. And I mean, any argument you have about the, the current mindset being instant gratification, it just kind of blows that out of the water because they're a huge section of the hobby now and it's a completely DIY approach. Right, so there, yeah. There's still people who are interested in building. 
yeah. just a different way. Yeah, and, and YouTube is so huge. And, and all of the young generation, they, it's, that's kind of where they go. Like when we want to find, if we're looking to do something, where do we go? <laughs> we'll go to YouTube and, it, and we'll go to Google, you know, Professor Google. Hey, how do I build an RC airplane? Um, so if I can, if we can put information out there that's searchable and easy to find, hopefully then, you know, somebody will find it and they'll appreciate it and want to try something, uh, a little bit more than they might normally do. So it's just what I'm hoping to, hoping to do. Did, did you see the story about, a, I think it was a couple of ladies that learned how to build a house by watching YouTube videos? <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, what kind of house? Uh, yeah. Uh, I didn't see the pictures, but I, I heard about it. <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> the dog house. Yeah. <laughs> so, Chris, you were recently at the AMA Expo in, where is that, Los Angeles? Yeah, Ontario. Ontario area. Okay. In LA. Yeah. Right. So, tell us a little bit about... I guess first what you did there because you were a presenter, but also some of the stuff you saw. Yeah. So the, uh, the AMA expo is, is an interesting one. So I, <laughs> it was another name. It's, it's the show that's gone by many names, but, uh, I've been going to that show since quite literally I was a kid. Um, and so I believe it or not, I actually met my wife at that show. So if there's anybody listening out there, there is hope. There's Any hope for you, RC guys? Geeks. Yeah. <laughs> well, that has to be a very elite club. <laughs> but it's not the most uh, likely event to occur. It was just kind of a divine appointment. My my father-in-law was had a business in the hobby at the time, and so my parents were there exhibiting. He was there exhibiting, and our booths were next to each other. And so somehow the rest ended up... Is history. Uh, yeah, connecting with, with their daughter. So it was pretty, pretty amazing. But she was not too interested in talking it to me originally. I can tell you that. She had guys hitting on her the whole day. But. Because you're just an RC geek. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. Anyway, so in terms of this year, uh, the AMA, they asked me to be a presenter, uh, which, and I was, really honored uh, to to do that you know the so many amazing people have shared at that show and and the fact that they would ask me to to do that i was really humbled by that it was really cool um and so they they gave me a booth space and so i had my 3d printer there and i had some jets there to on display and, and so in terms of my talk i'll actually have the video um, of my presentation up on my channel uh either this week or next week uh, and so I'm, I'm wrapping up my article on, on the event that'll go on my website, the rcgeek.com. And then, um, I'm putting together like a kind of a compilation video and then I'll have that presentation video there too. And so they just, you know, I just shared my story. A lot of what we talked about here, um, you know, talks about the RC geek and my background. And so this, I was really honored to share. And then in terms of the show itself, it was really interesting. So every year the show is, is always different, but there's one thing that's always the same, right? It's you always get to catch up with all those people that you haven't, you don't get to see but once or twice a year and you just pick up where you left off 
it's like a big family. Uh, and so it's always great to be able to catch up with, with, you know, friends and make new friends as well. I met a whole bunch of people with having the booth there and it was really, it was really awesome and, and got a lot of positive feedback, which is really inspiring for me, um, to just kind of keep, keep on, keep on going. So, um, and then in terms of what I saw there, it was interesting because there was only one of the big box retailers there this year. It was um, just Horizon Hobby had their booth there. Uh, Tower Hobbies wasn't there this year, or excuse me, Great Plains. They usually have a booth. They weren't there this year. And then obviously Hobby People wasn't there. Uh, but it was at the show that I, I heard that they were going to be closing, closing up shop. Uh, but one of the... I talked with Gropner, and I was really intrigued by their radios, and so um, was given a chance to try one of their radios out and liking it so far. Uh, so I was really intrigued by their stuff. There was not very much uh, quadcopter or multi-rotor stuff there, which was kind of nice. <laughs> uh, last really? year, yeah, last year. Do you think was, we've peaked? I I, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Lee, you have a friend. <laughs> you know the quadcopters are great, and what I love about them is, for me, I uh, I don't know if you've seen some of the pictures I've posted, but Air Hogs makes these really fun Star Wars drones, you know. And so I've picked up like a Millennium Falcon and a speeder bike, and then they had a a USS Enterprise from Star Trek that I picked up, and those things are awesome. I wish they were. It's a little more responsive, but I see that as an awesome use of that technology because you can do something fun and unique that you could never do before, right, with a Mm. traditional RC airplane and propulsion system. Uh, And, and of course, you know, I have a friend um, who does aerial cinematography stuff with drones and and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if you know Banana Pete. Uh, Pete from Banana Hobbies. That's he does. Oh, yeah. So that's yeah. He does. He's a friend of mine. And he does that stuff on, on the side, um, and th- that's a great use aerial photography and whatnot. But uh, You're, you actually know what he looks like. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All those videos he's wearing it, the glasses and the, and the hat. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like a disguise. <laughs> yeah. No, we we hung out at the show. It was fun. It's kind of our yearly visit. We always talk about trying to get together and fly, but we can never seem to make that happen. Um, so other fun stuff at the show. Uh, I always gravitate towards the scale stuff. That's like what's in my blood. So I always like to see what's in the static model competition. There's always some really nice airplanes there. Um, and then they, there's this uh, company, warbirdpilots.com. They've got some really cool pilots uh, that are nicely priced from about one seventh scale to as large as you want. And these are full bodies, not just torsos. Yeah. Full bodies. Yeah. And then, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of JB hobbies. Yes. But I've heard they, they were at the show and they, they were a big, um, I speak in past tense cause they're actually closing up shop, but, <sighs> Uh, so he's blowing out a bunch of stuff. He was doing some killer deals at the show, I can tell you that. Um, but he was the, bringing in a lot of the VQ Warbirds um, and some of the bigger, the legend models, they called it, that were made by VQ. Uh, and so, uh, 
Yeah. Is it sounding like the hobby's in a little bit of a slump from last year? You know, it really, I hate to say it, but it, it kind of felt like that a bit. It sounded like there were, because there were less vendors there this year than there were last year, which was unfortunate. I don't know necessarily why that was, but um, yeah, the I, the hobby's kind of an in, interesting state right now. And I, I hope that, uh, you know, this is not an indication of, of how it is. And maybe it's just, you know, Southern California is kind of, kind of an interesting market for this stuff, you know, but, uh, we, you know, we get year round flying weather, but there's tons of other distractions out here too. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. But the hobby periodically goes through cycles too. That, that's so, absolutely know. true. Yeah. So we got to get, you know, you guys are all YouTubers. You got to get the video out there and get people involved and, and spread the word and show them how to do this stuff. Cause you know, this hobby is, is just amazing. It's so much fun. Uh, yeah, but you know, it takes a little work to get to the point where you can really, really enjoy it. And, and in this instant gratification society that we're in, um, sometimes people don't want to put in that work. Well, that's why we have the podcast, hoping to get more people to listen in. Yeah. You know, you guys, listen to people like you who are passionate about the hobby. You guys keep it going, that's for sure. And whatever I can do to help you guys, let me know. I'm happy to to do whatever I can. Well, awesome. So, Name one thing that you wished had been at the expo but wasn't a product. Or not even at the expo. What's the one hobby product that we need that, <laughs> that doesn't we, exist? That we need kits. Builder's kits. What's that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is this kit you speak of? You know, I mean, my parents, they're, they still sell kits. They're one of the, the last of the Mohicans because it's really interesting of... All of the original, you know, jet manufacturers, um, my folks are still left. BVM is still around, except he's sold his business to a Chinese company. I don't know if you guys huh? knew that. No. no. Yeah. Jet Legend, from what I understand, uh, bought BVM. <clears throat> and then uh, I don't know what Tom Cook is up to these days. I think he's still making his all composite kits. Uh, but, you know, Yellow Aircraft, they shut down. They're no longer in business. Byron so, came and went. Yeah. I mean, a Long lot ago. of these these companies that I grew up, you know, seeing their products and witnessing what they were doing, they, a lot of them don't exist anymore. It's unfortunate. Yeah, I think it takes a certain very specific business model to succeed today. And I'm not sure what it is. But yeah. The paradigm is definitely changing from what it was even just a few years ago. Yeah, and, you know, I, Hobby King hasn't really helped us in that respect, I don't think. Amen, brother. Yeah. Oh, Terry's found a friend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I've, I've purchased batteries from them, uh, but that's about all I purchase. And I feel dirty doing it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but you know 
Vollers or airplane guys are finicky about the bottom line, about price, and so they'll go where the lowest price exists. You mean cheap. <laughs> Modelers are cheap. Yeah, they tend to be cheap. <laughs> well, they tend to skew older, too, and a lot of them are on fixed income, and they're just cheap yeah, old yeah. guys. You know. That's why we got to keep doing the videos and the podcasts, get the younger generation involved. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm working on my two kids. Yeah, I can't seem to get my son into it yet. I think he will. He loves to build. and uh, We've got a build project that we're going to do. We'll, we'll document on video uh, for his birthday. Uh, Got a SIG, uh, what is it, MidStar 20 or something They've kit. It's a laser cut kit, so we're going to put that together. I still enjoy building kits myself, and I, I have a few. In fact, I have, you mentioned the Royal Zero. I have a Royal Zero up in my attic that one of these years I'm going to get around the building. <laughs> <laughs> and I have another one that's really neat from a marutaku the people who make the royal kits too that i want to build as well, so. well see yeah. Fitz, this is where you need to come up with what parts do you need to make from your 3d printer to make that kit better <laughs> well it's gonna be a whole lot of cad work i can tell you that yeah yeah <laughs> yeah as, know, as a, go ahead i was gonna say the, the one of the things that i really remember <laughs> building that airplane was you know on the zero you you know it's got the gun hood yeah. Um, up on the top of the fuselage. Yeah, where the machine guns were, but just before uh -huh. the, the cockpit. Yeah. So that is crafted by gluing two solid blocks of balsa in place and then carving it down. <laughs> same, same thing with the wing root fairings. Oh, solid oh. balsa. Oh. <laughs> you didn't tell me I had to be part artist to do this. Oh, man. Yeah, but, you know, the Royal Kits were awesome. <laughs> I wish I, I had a collection of them, you know? I guess it just brings me back to my childhood. Mm. You know, the other cool thing is, uh, you know, Tamiya uh, has been re-releasing all their old RC cars. Yeah, I've been itching to get one of their frogs. I keep procrastinating. Yeah. I had one as a kid. <laughs> yep. I, uh, let's see, we put together a lunch box, my daughter oh, and yeah. I. Oh, yeah. Uh, my son and I, we put together a midnight pumpkin. Yep. And, and then I've got a Wild Willy 2 that I'm going to put together one of these days. Oh, you, I'm going to have to talk with you about that one. I wanted one as a kid, and I always wonder how those were. I never had seen one. Oh, dude, they were uh, awesome. My, we, I had one. My sister, it was technically my sister's, she had one, uh, but. I liked driving it because it did wheelies. Yeah, yeah. It was known for just kind of just laying on its back and just wheeling everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's so much fun, you know. I had a – ones that I technically had was uh, Grasshopper, I think I had. and Yeah. There's another one I don't remember. They had a Hornet, too. Yeah. There was one I really wanted, but they haven't reissued it. That was the Audi Quattro Rally car. I always liked the looks of that one. Uh, interesting. I think they just released the Blackfoot mm. last last year. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. Oh yeah, yeah. I um I used to work at a hobby store back in the late '80s, early '90s, and I would build those cars for customers. And I built a lot. All those: the Blackfoot, the Lunchbox, Midnight Pumpkin. Oh, yeah. I could probably build oh, yeah. those things in my sleep now. They go <laughs> together so well. I mean, yeah, just, they did. It's so, so such 
the engineering behind it was really fantastic. I got spoiled because I built a bunch of dolls, and then I had a customer says, "Hey, can you build me an RC10?" And I said, "Yeah, sure." And that was not as fun of experience. <laughs> <laughs> I never put together an RC10. It was, what? I mean, they're great race cars, but yeah. they were not as as um, finely engineered, I could yeah. say, as the Tamiya stuff. Well, Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. We appreciate you joining us so much in this episode. You've been a, a fantastic guest and has some really fascinating stories. And uh, we hope you can uh, join us again sometime in the future. Absolutely. I would love that. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, thanks for having us. And, uh, we'll be sure to post some links to your uh, RC Harvey Geek website. and hopefully we'll get... <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Lenny's for lunch. <laughs> <The> R- <laughs> I mean, we'll post some links to the RC Geek website. There you go. I don't feel like the weakest link anymore. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, uh, I don't know. I didn't eat breakfast today. I got low blood sugar. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll make sure when this posts too that I'll, um, you know, I'll put it out on my on the social media, the RC Geek, and get people. To listen up and get some more uh, subscribers for you guys. Oh, we really appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to seeing your your uh, uh, video on the uh, from the EMA Expo. Uh, we'll post a link to that too when that pops up. We'll to hear what you have to talk about, and uh, and of course any future videos you will have, we will eagerly await. And, and uh, <laughs> no matter what the subject, well, I'm looking <laughs> I, forward to the uh, review on the Razorback. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, first impressions on that thing, it's really nice. I'll tell you that. It's nicely done. But then again, I wouldn't expect anything less from Horizon. They do a good job on their stuff. The landing gear's okay? <laughs> <laughs> it is. They've got the two, you know, the dual segmented door on there and everything. It's nice. All right. <laughs> they got the correct number of wheels? <laughs> there are three. So we'll see. <laughs> Hopefully they'll, they'll all stay on there. It's got landing gear approval from Chris. Yeah, so it's, it's a. I don't care how it flies, as long as the landing gear is right, it's okay. <laughs> it's only got half a wing, but look at that gear. <laughs> Needed a lot of aileron trim. I don't know why that was. <laughs> well, hey Chris, thanks so much. I I, uh, I enjoyed chatting with you, and uh, can't wait to probably get off. Uh, you know, take this offline and chat with you about the Tiger Cat once I start working on mine. Sure, anytime. Yeah. All right, and with that, we'll see you next time. Please visit our website at rcroundtable.com where you can send us comments and suggestions and listen to our other great podcasts. Those who live in Las Vegas can listen to us over the radio at the all-new Magic 97.9 FM, KIOF LP, Las Vegas. 